All right, glad you're with us. Uh, It's going to take time to lay all of this out today, and it's just amazing. The same people, the same cast of characters, the same liars, the same conspiracy theorists, the same uh, those that perpetrated the biggest hoax, the lie, the big lie, the bigger lie. It is it is so obvious and transparent. The good news in the Ukraine case, it's not going to take three years to break down what has actually happened here. Um, The most amazing thing we are learning, the so-called whistleblower did not know anything firsthand. Well, I I heard from a friend of a friend of a friend of a who knows how deep this is and who leaked it. And by the way, you you can't ignore the possibility that they might have been again spying on the president of the United States. And, you know, Chuck Schumer's admonition, they'll get you six ways on Sunday. But the whistleblower did not have firsthand knowledge of any conversation between the president of the United States And the Ukrainian president and the source went on to say that in the complaint, it is made clear that the whistleblower did not have any firsthand knowledge of the July phone call. Now, even the Washington Post is now saying that there was no quid pro quo. Now, if you're looking at, for example, the key section in the now public DNI letter, National Intelligence uh, that the com- the complaint did not meet any statutory requirements for release. Now, the president's considering releasing it. If I had to guess, he probably will. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens over time. It's not even important. But when you get the top lawyer, the general counsel, director of national intelligence, the information within the present complaint is different in kind from that involved in any past cases of which we are aware of. The present complaint does not allege misconduct within the intelligence community or concern an intelligence activity subject to the authority of the DNI. Furthermore, because the complaint involves confidential and potentially privileged communications by persons outside of the intelligence community, the DNI lacks unilateral authority to transmit such materials to the intelligence committees. Therefore, the DNI determined not to transmit the confidential information to the intelligence uh, committees because uh, there were serious questions about whether the complaint met the statutory definition of an urgent concern. That would be 15 U.S.C. 3033-K5, in case you're keeping notes at home. But anyway, they consulted with the DOJ looking into the appropriate way to handle the complaint, the whistleblower complaint that we now know was not firsthand information at all. That would be called hearsay in a court of law. And after they determined that it didn't fall within the statutory definition, well, then the urgent concern requirement that the reporting of serious allegations would involve with classified information relating to the funding uh, administration or operation of intelligence activity within the responsibility of the authority, the DNI, et cetera, et cetera. The complaint, however, concerned conduct by someone outside the intelligence community and did not relate to any intelligence activity within the responsibility or authority of the DNI. In other words, it was not urgent. This is how do you how is this even possible? One day, I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of that either. This is what we know. 
And this is the great irony of all of this is you've got Joe Biden with the audacity and the unmitigated gall to go out there and to talk about the president of the United States abusing power. Okay, well, and threatening. He actually said that he's threatening a foreign leader. Well, no, the person that would have been intimidating a foreign leader would be Joe Biden. And that would be Joe Biden saying, you're not going to get the billion dollars. He told the story. He was bragging about it. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. No, I'm leaving in six hours. You have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a (laughs) got fired. You're not getting a billion and I'm leaving in six hours. And if the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the billion dollars. Son of a bit. Well, he got fired. Now, why would the vice president of the United States of America that is now in charge of Ukraine, if you're looking at the exact timeline of all of this, why would the president of the United States threaten to leverage, withhold American dollars unless a prosecutor in Ukraine is fired? Why would any vice president do that? Well, now we have to get to the heart of how this now is impacted by his kid. Because what we now know from John Solomon's reporting and Peter Schweitzer's reporting is that there was a lot more going on behind the scenes that would motivate Joe Biden, vice president, in, in his need, in his quest to get this out of the way. Hunter Biden received, was receiving $83,000 a month for himself, another $83,000 for his, apparently he's he's a board member, but it was a very strange, and a consultant. Now, did Hunter Biden have any background, any experience in energy, gas, oil? No. So the prosecutor is investigating this company called uh, Burisma, Holdings, which is a natural gas company in Ukraine, why are they paying Hunter Biden, whose father only months earlier was delegated by then President Obama to take over all issues involving the uh, involving Ukraine? Why would he threaten the prosecutor? You know, when you add up the money, it's you know, that's a lot of money over a few million dollars now to his private investment firm, 250,000 to a law firm in the United States from a Ukrainian gas company, Burisma Holdings. And in 2015, in November, Joe Biden, we now know, fact, was advised by the New York Times that his son was under investigation and his office acknowledged that they were aware of the investigation by Ukraine authorities. It was Hunter Biden's uh, to deal with, not the vice president. That's what they were told at the time. In December of 2015, a month later, Biden made his first request of the Ukraine president, to fire the prosecutor that was leading the investigation into Burisma Holdings, the company that had paid Hunter Biden. And a few months later in March of 2016, now knowing that this investigator was investigating his son and that his son was about to be interviewed by the prosecutor. Now, remember, John Solomon reported this because he interviewed the prosecutor that was fired, the one that was, you know, you're not getting the money. I'm leaving in six hours. And if the prosecutor is not fired, well, I'm not giving you the billion, son of a bee. Uh, they fired him. So anyway, knowing that the, the investigator, the prosecutor was investigating his son, 
and his son was about to be interviewed in conjunction with the investigation, it is a fact that Biden leveraged a billion U.S. tax dollars and intimidated, yes, that would be the right word, the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian president to fire this guy, Viktor Shokin. I can't say his middle name. The prosecutor was leading the investigation into Burisma Holdings and their relationship with Hunter Biden. Now, it is a requirement of U.S. law that all federal officials avoid the appearance of conflict of interest when they're conducting U.S. policy. That means if you have a family member and they have a financial interest in the outcome of a decision you're about to make, you're supposed to recuse yourself. Joe Biden knew his son had a financial interest in Burisma Holdings and a financial interest in this prosecutor. Instead of recusing himself, Joe Biden jumped right into the middle of it and said, well, fire him or I'm not giving you the billion dollars. Now, he has no background that we can find out or nor could Peter Schweitzer or John Solomon as it relates to energy or gas. No background, no expertise in any of this. We know the Ukraine. What, what were they paying for here? Why would you pay an obscene amount of money, monthly money, if the guy has no background, no dealings? Could it be that his father's the vice president in charge of Ukrainian policies and even the billion dollars that we are going to give them in aid? You know, it's it's this untangling this web is going to be very interesting. The media has done Donald Trump again the biggest favor in their fervor, in their insanity, in their psychotic rage. You know, remember, they, they've kind of been rudderless now for a while. Impeach, 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 Russia, 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 uh, impeach, impeach, Russia, stormy, stormy, impeach, conspiracy, conspiracy. Well, that all went away even when they brought Robert Mueller in. They didn't get what they wanted. And then they got the crap beat out of him last week by Corey Lewandowski. And then the question is, is that when John Solomon, because he reported this, interviewed the prosecutor that was fired, he was about to make a formal request to interview Hunter Biden and what influence his father may have had on this particular deal. And that's where the timeline now becomes very critical in all of this. So we now have, you know, by the way, the president has now nicknamed this whole thing the Ukraine witch hunt. And not only we're not going to have to wait three years for the final answer here, although Democrats might try to keep it as an issue. You know, I agree with Devin Nunes. This is the end for Joe Biden. Now the media has legitimately opened what did Biden's son hunt what experience did he have if any now also if you remember the asia trip that was chronicled in peter schweitzer's book um secret empires how do these oh, how do all these families get rich well anyway remember air force two he goes on this asia trip he's going to china they get back to washington 10 days later uh rosemont seneca partners you know we see no background or experience of Hunter Biden here. Anyway, he partners with Rosemont Seneca Partners, and he doesn't have any background that we know of in private equity, no background on China, private equity. You know, he had one failed investment run that didn't work out particularly well. Apparently, like an uncle got sued. Well, that's irrelevant, frankly, at this point. And what we're finding out is, yeah, this, it seems like they're cashing in on the name and the connections. You know, how do you have $1.5 billion in, well, I don't know, sounds to 
like pay to play to me. And now that the media wants to know the truth, now we're going to get to the truth. Thank you for making it possible. You know, Devin Nunes saying and predicting this weekend that he thinks this is the end for Biden. And he thinks that uh, thanks to the Clinton link Ukraine bombshell and the surfaced reports. By the way, Clinton was the first Hillary Clinton was the first person to, to come out with all of this, according to my sources. And by the way, that was even reported by FoxNews.com. These, these stories first originated back when Hillary Clinton was trying to make sure Biden didn't get in the race in 2016, according to Nunes. So now that these have resurfaced and it's been resurrected, well, I don't know who came up with the scheme. Maybe the whistleblower really is not a partisan. Who knows? We want to hear from the whistleblower, but it sure looks like the scheme has backfired. And like I said, this is going to end Biden's campaign. That's Devin Nunes' prediction. And he's, you know, basically down to zero. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren has overtaken him in a poll in Iowa. And I'm not buying the gump, the garbage that the Biden campaign. Oh, Iowa and New Hampshire are not important. Oh, yes, they are. And late Sunday, the president echoed Nunes's comments, emphasizing Biden recently bragged about pressuring Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor when he was vice president. Sleepy Joe Biden forced the top prosecutor out from investigating his son's company by threatening or not giving big dollars to Ukraine. That's the real story. And that's true. And now the schism within the Democratic ranks about impeaching or not impeaching Ocasio-Cortez calling out major scandals that Democrats have not voted to impeach Trump yet. And every Democrat that is now running in a Trump one district is scared out of their minds because they know this is going to backfire because nobody nobody's doing a single thing to help we the people. In their zeal, their zealousy to get Donald Trump, what they didn't realize is, uh-oh, we just opened up Joe Biden to the real scrutiny. How is it possible that his son, at the same time he's in charge of policy and even the monies, as we now hear him threatening and intimidating Ukrainian officials, how is it possible his son has now done a deal with the very company that the prosecutor that he demands to be fired or else they're not getting the billion dollars? He now has opened himself and his son up to scrutiny beyond anything that anybody else could have ever done. Because we've been talking about this story. And then it raises the question, you have to connect the dots. When you go to Peter Schweitzer's book, Secret Empires, well, Hunter Biden and, you know, this, now we're talking about billions. Ukraine was millions and millions, you know, but then Hunter Biden and his partners, you know, have a lot of LLCs involved in multi uh, billion billion dollar private equity deals with Chinese government owned entities. And the primary operation, Rosemont Seneca Partners, an investment firm founded in 2009, controlled by Hunter John Kerry's stepson, Chris Hines and Hines longtime associate Devin Archer. The trio began making deals through a series of overlapping entities under Rosemont. In less than a year, Hunter Biden and Archer met with top Chinese officials in China, partnered by the Thornton Group. It's a consultancy head by the son of a, well, apparently Whitey Bulger. This gets weirder by the minute. I'll explain all of this when we get back. Here's the thing. And then Biden demands that the prosecutor in Ukraine investigating Hunter Biden's partner in payments to Hunter Biden, a billion dollars of our tax dollars used to fire the prosecutor, leveraged. Oh, there is absolutely no 
evidence to indicate that either uh, Biden did anything improper. I said, I'm not going to we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. What bothers you most? What are the biggest red flags in this whole Ukrainian affair? Well, one thing I would say, Alex, is that it, it's complex in part because it's a conspiracy theory. I, mean, I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. About, of course, the Biden, you know, fake conspiracy that he's trying to make up. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. And then reframes it as a criminal conspiracy to attack Joe Biden. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. The Biden campaign Saturday issued a statement calling the president's side of the story a conspiracy theory. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. Now, President Trump is again insisting today that reporters should dig into a widely discredited, we need to emphasize that, this is widely discredited, a conspiracy theory no, it's involving not. Joe Biden, Ukraine, and a Ukrainian prosecutor that he helped get fired. I said, you're not getting a billion, I'm going to be leaving here, and I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. The Washington Post and a whole bunch of other outlets have said this is a conspiracy theory. It's bogus. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. President Trump insisting somebody should dig into a conspiracy theory involving Biden, Ukraine, and a Ukrainian prosecutor. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. So here's the conspiracy theory the Trump campaign has been urging Ukraine to investigate. Essentially, they claim Joe Biden used his power as vice president to protect his son, Hunter Biden. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. President Trump in the Oval Office saying somebody should look into a conspiracy theory involving his political rival, Joe Biden. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. A widely discredited conspiracy theory. Now, keep in mind, the conspiracy theory uh, line is coming from the biggest conspiracy theorist liars that is known as the media mob. And uh, they jumped in so quick, so deep, so hard. 
They forgot to look if there's any water in the pool. And there wasn't. And they literally now have just, uh uh-oh, they're falling into an empty pool. And they're like on the high dive. And they just cracked their heads open again with their stupidity. Now, for all of you mob people in the media, I have a question. With your widely discredited conspiracy theory, why would the vice president of the United States of America that's in charge of of all matters Ukraine, including monies that we would give them. Why would he be bragging about a story? You're not getting the billion dollars. I'm leaving in six hours, and if the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the billion dollars. Son of a boop! They fired him. Why would the vice president of the United States do that to a Ukrainian prosecutor? Well, I think we know the answer now, and the answer is very simple. That his son, Hunter, well, he had a pretty good deal worked out for himself. And as we've been telling you, it all has to do with a a holding company, Burisma Holdings, and the company that Hunter Biden, months after Joe, crazy, sleepy, creepy, crazy, Uncle Joe 30330, uh, took in, was put in charge of Ukraine. That's why he had the billion dollars that he was going to give the Ukrainians. That's why he said, either you fire the prosecutor that was about to investigate, oh, the same company that Hunter Biden was doing business with. And that would be, yes, Burisma Holdings, oil, gas, energy company. And the prosecutor got fired because the prosecutor, according to John Solomon, who interviewed the prosecutor, no conspiracy theory here, said that the prosecutor was on the verge of calling in Hunter Biden to explain uh, him capitalizing off his relationship with his dad and trying to find out the area of expertise in gas, energy, and and the energy industry that would afford him the $83,000 a month just for him and Devin Archer. And now it gets even more real. John Solomon will break this story later today when he's on this program, oh, you know, at the new, after the news at the top of the hour and on TV tonight that there was uh, earlier this month, apparently a bipartisan meeting in Kiev and Senator Chris Murphy delivered a pointed message to the new Ukraine president Zelensky. And while choosing his words carefully, apparently Murphy made clear by his own account that Ukraine currently enjoyed bipartisan support for its U.S. aid, but that could be in jeopardy if the new president acquiesced to request by Rudy Giuliani to investigate past corruption. Remember, Rudy Giuliani was asked to be on a special mission by the State Department, and he went ahead and did what the State Department asked him to do. And then he came back and started talking about this months ago. And Murphy boasted after the meeting that he told the new Ukrainian president that USAID was his country's most important asset. It would be viewed as election meddling and disastrous for the long-term U.S.-Ukraine relations to bend to the wishes of Trump and Giuliani. Now, apparently, now even the Washington Post, now we're now finding out that the so-called whistleblower wasn't firsthand but secondhand. So it wasn't even, it never rose to the you know, the level that this story was at last week. And not only was it secondhand information, we don't even know where it came from. 
And not only that, the Washington Post is saying there was no quid pro quo. Now, if the president of the United States, now remember, the Ukraine had been trying for some time to get information to this country about their 2016 election interference that they were freely going to admit to us and even give us the evidence of that they helped Hillary Clinton in her bid to win the presidency in 2016. Nobody in the media mob wanted that story. Why? Because it wasn't hurting and bludgeoning Donald Trump. And so anyway, Solomon's reporting that, yeah, now the very thing that they are accusing the president, Trump, President Trump of, well, that would be the very thing that apparently this bipartisan meeting and Senator Chris Murphy delivered that pointed message. Hey, you better not help Trump and Giuliani, because if you do, yeah, the bipartisan support for aid to you is probably going to go away. And he boasted after the meeting that he told the Ukrainian leader the U.S. aid was his country's most important asset. Mm-hmm. It'd be disastrous if he would be viewed for Ukraine. In other words, we're going to hold up the money you want. And in order to keep the U.S.-Ukraine relationship strong, it's much better for the president to rebuff any pressure he's getting from political campaigns in the U.S. to conduct investigations. Now, is there anything wrong with the president of the United States of America trying to get a handle on A, election interference, and B, pay to play when, in fact, American tax dollars, the former vice president's on tape admitting that he was involved in the firing of the prosecutor that was investigating, according to the interview with John Solomon, uh, the vice president's son. That would be the intimidation. That would be the abuse of power. There probably would be a whole series of legal issues involved in all of this. But the the anecdote here is pretty powerful as it relates to Murphy. And as much as, yeah, Democrats are exerting political pressure on Ukraine, what they're complaining that Donald Trump is doing and a key uh, U.S. ally for buffering Russia. Now, that activity long preceded, again, Rudy Giuliani's involvement in any of this. And Giuliani will be on Hannity tonight with Ukrainian officials and Trump's phone call to Zelensky in July seeking to, you know, investigate what the hell's going on here. Was U.S. tax dollars leveraged to protect the son of the vice president because they were making money in a field that we see no evidence that he had any experience in? Now, we know that as early as January 2016, when the Obama White House invited Ukraine's top prosecutors to Washington to discuss fighting corruption in the country, apparently the meeting promised as as training turned out to be more of a pretext for the Obama administration to pressure Ukraine's prosecutors to drop the investigation into Burisma Holdings gas company that was paying Joe Biden's son Hunter and look for new evidence in the then dormant criminal case uh, against eventual Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. So the very thing that, again, they're claiming Trump did, they did with evidence. U.S. officials kept talking about how important it was that all of our anti-corruption efforts be united the former political officer in the Ukrainian embassy told John Solomon. Wow, John Solomon's got great sources in Ukraine, and they're all talking, and they've been talking, and we've been telling, and nobody's been paying attention, but now people pay attention. Thank you, media mob. You have now brought the country's attention right where it needed to be about the corruption, the pay-to-play questions, 
and the vice president intimidating and holding out U.S. aid money tax dollars for the purpose of protecting his son in an investigation that we now know was happening. And you, oh, oh, but it's not a conspiracy theory. It's now a fact. That's the bottom line. And, you know, Schweitzer does this. He goes through the Ukraine thing, too. Now, Solomon and Schweitzer will join us at the top of the hour. Now, in the China deal, you got Hunter Biden and his partners have these LLCs involved, which is fine. Multi-billion dollar private equity deals with the Chinese government owned entities. Primary operation is Rosemont Seneca Partners. And remember, John Kerry's stepson, Chris Hines, is a part of this effort, along with Devin Archer. And then the trio are making deals through a series of overlapping entities under the the banner of Rosemont. In less than a year, Hunter Biden and Archer met with top Chinese officials and partnered with the Thornton Group, a Massachusetts-based consultancy headed by James Bulger. Yeah, that would be the son of the famous hitman, Whitey Bulger. According to Thornton's group, Chinese language website, this is all in Peter Schweitzer's book, Secret Empires, Chinese executives extended their warm welcome to the Thornton Group with its U.S. partner, Rosemont Seneca Chairman Hunter Biden. Yeah, that's the same Hunter Biden. This happened, a lot of this happening weeks after Hunter Biden, uh, or days, 10 days specifically after Hunter Biden got back from the trip with his father in Asia, including China. And officially, China, you know, where they were exploring the possibilities of commercial cooperation and opportunities. Now, the timing of the meeting occurred just hours before Hunter Biden's father met with the Chinese president in Washington as uh, part of the nuclear security summit. And perhaps most damning in terms of timing and optics, it was only 12 days after Hunter and Joe Biden flew on Air Force One, I'm sorry, Air Force Two to Beijing. Hunter was on daddy's plane and Hunter's company signed a historic deal with the Bank of China, described by Schweitzer as the state-owned financial uh, group that was used as a tool of the Chinese government. To accommodate the deal, the Bank of China created a unique type of investment fund called a BHR. According to BHR, Rosemont Seneca Partners is the founding partner. Now, it was a pretty unprecedented arrangement. The government of one of America's fiercest competitors going into business with the son of the vice president of the United States, one of the most influential people in the country. By the way, it didn't stop there. While Hunter Biden had no experience in China, just like he had no experience in gas, oil or energy, he had little experience in private equity that anybody can find. And the Chinese government, for some reason, thought it would be a great idea to give his firm the opportunities instead of established banks. Oh, maybe like, oh, Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs. And it ended up being a one and then eventually one point five billion dollar deal. That's a lot of money when you look at it. All right, when we come back, the two experts on the conspiracy theory that is not. And that would be John Solomon, investigative reporter Peter Schweitzer. We're going to spend an hour because this is a very, very big, deep dive. And for a vice president of the United States of America, you're not getting the uh, the billion dollars. You're not. I'm leaving in six hours. And if that prosecutor is not fired... You're not getting the billion dollars. Son of a beep. Guess what? The prosecutor got fired. Why would a president of the United States, vice president of the United States of America ever do this?
the Scooby just talked about. Have you been asked to testify uh, by the chairman, uh, by Chairman Cummings or Chairman Nadler about the, the Comey IG report you released three weeks ago? Um, no, I'm not. Have you been approached at all by the, the chairman of those respective committees? Personally, I have not. I can check with anybody else in my organization, but I'm not aware of any. And they've they been asked you about it? Oh, I'm sure they've asked about it. But they, I, I mean, ask about, about, ask about, about you testifying and answering questions about that specific report. About a hearing, I don't no believe there have been discussions. Have you had any discussions with Chairman Cummings or Chairman Nadler about the upcoming FISA report, particularly subsequent to this letter, or even before this letter, um, about the FISA report when you might testify in front of either committee? Um, we haven't had, to my knowledge, discussions about um, testimony or, or a hearing. No, why would we have any discussion, discussions about uh, a testimony or a hearing? Well, that's the IG, Michael Horowitz. That's the guy that has now finished his report. It's been a long time in the making. Jeff Sessions appointed him to do this a long time ago. And uh, we're finally now know it's finished. It's been handed over to the DOJ. It is now being vetted in terms of many, if there's anything that needs to be removed uh, in terms of information that might be put out that would be harmful. Um, I'm a little concerned that the FBI director, the current director, uh, Ray, is now possibly looking for redactions on his side because I have not found him particularly helpful. Up to this point, here's what else we got out of Horowitz's testimony yesterday. He told Congress that he referred the disgraced ex-FBI director Jim Comey for criminal prosecution earlier this year after concluding he did leak sensitive materials to a friend. He said we are required by the Inspector General Act to send information that we have identified that could plausibly be criminal to the Department of Justice confirming what amounted to a criminal referral. Now, they say it's a referral, but that's what it is. Testifying before the House Oversight and Reform Committee, the Justice Department watchdog said Comey's behavior was beyond concerning. Words like alarming were used. Um, and our concerns, quote, of empowering FBI directors with the authority to decide that they are not going to follow established norms and procedures because, in their view, they made a judgment that the individuals they are dealing with cannot be trusted. When asked if Comey's holding the highest position in the Bureau added to his concern, the Inspector General confirmed it had. This is now the second time the Inspector General has written scathing reports on Mr. Super Patriot Jim Comey. Congresswoman Jody Heiss, Georgia Republican, said Horowitz's revelation of the criminal referral of Mr. Comey was monumental. Mark Meadows, North Carolina, asked Horowitz if he would look into allegations that Comey lied during his 2017 Senate testimony. Meadows said he believes there were numerous times when the ex-FBI director's testimony did not match revelations included in the Inspector General report. Well, Mr. Horowitz agreed to investigate whether Comey lied to Congress. That, too, is a big deal. Now, it's certainly appropriate for us to get a referral about that employee of the department and then we would assess it when asked if he knew of another FBI director referred for criminal prosecution. Mr. Harwood said he did not. Anyway, joining us now uh, on this and much more is Congressman Jim Jordan, a former 
Well, I guess you got fired recently. You're now no longer the head of the Freedom Caucus. As I see, our friend Andy Biggs has taken over for you. And after you, well, I guess you were involved in a coup removing Mark Meadows in North Carolina. <laughs> no coup involved. And, and I think we've said this on your show before. Good to be with you, Sean. We've said this on your show before. Uh, you're, the, you're one of the honorary members of the House Freedom Caucus. I am. I'm, we, uh, I'm, we, oh, by the way, that, that, that's good for a, a highlight. Hannity honor admits he's an honorary member of the Freedom Caucus. <laughs> Details at yeah. 11. Um, <laughs> you know, so Comey's kind of ducked, dodged, and avoided. Here's yeah. what we know as facts. And if anything that I'm about to say is not a fact, tell me. Is it or is it not true that James Comey was warned at least three specific times, he and all the upper echelon of the DOJ and FBI, that Christopher Steele's document uh, dossier was unverified, that Hillary paid for it, and that he had a political agenda. I know of three times. My sources say there may be as many as five times. And it, and Sean, remember who told him that? It wasn't just anybody. It was Bruce Orr conveyed to the FBI that this guy you're getting information from, the guy I'm meeting with, this Christopher Steele guy, He's got real problems. He's got a deep bias against the president, so much so that he said he was desperate for Trump not to win. So, yeah, yeah, of course they were on on notice of that fact. Okay, is it also true, according to the Nunes report, the Grassley-Graham memo, that the bulk of information in the FISA application was the unverified Hillary bought and paid for dirty Russian dossier that finally the New York Times acknowledges was likely Russian misinformation from the get-go? Or disinformation. Yeah. Yes. The bulk of evidence. They All right. led with it. They and led isn't with it. it we, that's a fact, correct? That's not yeah. a, yeah. this is now this is now on the record, incontrovertible. There's no ambiguity. All right, next question. Is it also true the former deputy FBI director McCabe said without the dirty Russian dossier, the Russian disinformation from the get go, uh, there would be no FISA warrant issued to Carter Page, which backdoored the 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 spying into all things Trump campaign transition and presidency. Yes, but for the dossier, they don't get the warrant. That was buttressed by another employee at the Justice Department who said it was a 50-50 call if we could get it without the dossier. So yes, and it was reinforced by another person at the FBI as well. Was there ever, ever an attempt before this October 2016 dossier to get, uh, or FISA application to get a similar warrant on on Carter Page? That I don't know. What I do know is two American citizens associated with the presidential campaign were spied on by our FBI. And the one we're talking about, the dossier was the basis to go get that warrant to spy on Carter Page. And Horowitz yesterday, as I look at all of this, seemingly agrees that Comey tried to deceive President-elect Trump during the now infamous 2017 meeting at Trump Tower when he was president-elect by saying the dossier was salacious but unverified, the opposite of what he said in October of 2016. And then when he renewed the FISA application and signed three of the four. Yeah, well, right. Witnesses interviewed by the OIG, by the inspector general, discussed Trump's potential responses at that meeting to being told about the salacious dossier, including, this is important language, including that Trump might make statements about or provide information of value to the pending Russia interference investigation. So they go up there to that meeting, and they're trying to set up the president, get information from the president about an investigation, while they're telling the president, you're not under investigation. That's from our, that's from the head of the FBI. No wonder Jim Comey did a referral on this guy. 
So while all I mean, he was Michael telling Robert the president-elect in January of 2017, after he signed a yep. FISA application, using the dirty dossier as the bulk of information, uh, the dirty, no dossier, no FISA warrant, that telling yep. the president-elect that he was not a, the subject of an investigation and saying it was unverified, the opposite of what he testified both before in his application for FISA uh, warrant, he, te- he signed a warrant that said it was verified. Then he talks to Trump and says it's unverified. Then he signs a renewal application twice that says it's verified, correct? That's right. So Jim Comey is a liar. Well, but Sean, Jim Comey is the guy responsible for what our country has had to live through now for over two years. Think about it. He's the guy who starts the investigation in July 2016. He's the guy who puts Peter Strzok in charge, the guy who is out to stop Trump. He said that in a text message. He's the guy who, as you just described, used, allowed the dossier to be used to get a warrant to spy on a fellow American citizen. He's the guy who leaks the memos to get Bob Mueller appointed special counsel. And now this important thing, he's the guy who goes up there to Trump Tower on January 6th and tries to trap the president. And we know he's trying to trap him because witnesses said so, and Michael Horowitz reported it. And when Jim Comey leaves that meeting, he walks right out gets in the car and immediately starts typing, memorializing the conversation with the president-elect of the United States so that they have that information right then on a secure laptop. This guy, Jim Comey, it's no wonder Michael Horowitz said and referred him to the Justice Department for prosecution. All right. Now let's talk about what we think the outcome of all of this is. What do you think the outcome is? Where, In other words, Jim Comey's dodged a bullet twice here. Does he are we does he get away with what we now have established as premeditated he was warned fraud on a court because we now know the dossier was unverifiable and when the FBI finally checked themselves what did they find out they said the same exact thing didn't they they said that yep. yeah no we can prove 90 plus percent of this isn't true which means none of it was true yeah Correct? so look you, you know, you know what, what that that Bill Barr has tasked John Durham to look into all this. All I will, all I know is this: Michael Horowitz has done an outstanding job in every single report we've received from him. Michael Horowitz gave the same referral for Jim Comey that last year he gave for Andy McCabe. We know what's happening with Andy McCabe. We will see what happens ultimately with Jim Comey. We got two more reports coming. We got the report coming from Mr. Horowitz on the broader FISA issue, which we've talked about here some. And then, of course, we have the final investigation that's being done by John Durham, U.S. attorney from Connecticut, at the request of Attorney General Bill Barr. So we will have to see. All I know is the good work Horowitz has done, and he gave the exact same referral for Jim Comey that last year he gave on his report about the Clinton investigation that he gave for Andy McCabe. So we'll have to wait and see. All right. So we're going to get this report. Now, I understand it's complete. Tell me the process. And are you as concerned as I am that that the FBI director now, Ray, has seen, shown no interest seemingly to clean up the greatest, the best, the premier law enforcement agency in the entire world. Why? Well, look, I have, I have confidence in Bill Barr. And Bill Barr is the attorney general. Bill Barr runs the Justice Department. And Bill Barr has indicated he's going to get to the bottom of this. Bill Barr says he wants to, we know he wants to err on the side of transparency when it comes to what's classified, what isn't. So Mr. Horowitz has given the report to the attorney general. They are, they are going through the classification process and the declassification process. We will see what we ultimately get. I think we just have to, unfortunately, and I know this is this is taking a long time, this whole thing. We've got to let this process play out. 
But the attorney general wants to get this information to the American people as quickly as he possibly can, and he wants to do it in the most transparent fashion that he possibly can as well. All right. Let's talk now about what what the next steps in all of this are. How do you see this unfolding? And, and everyone keeps asking me, well, when is we going to see something? When is this going to come out? When is this going to happen? You know, do you really believe, Jim Jordan, that they are going to hold their own to the same standards that you and I would be held at? I do. I do. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've, I've been very impressed with the work of the attorney general. I'll tell you what I am concerned about there, Sean. I'm concerned about the fact that the Democrat chairman of the, of the respective committees that have jurisdiction, the Oversight Committee and the Judiciary Committee, they don't even want to have a hearing on this. Because remember, mm-hmm. we, the, the, the legislative branch, we can't put anyone in jail. All we can do is get the truth out for, for you and the media and those American, uh, across the country, the American people. If they don't go, they're not going to have hearings so we can ask the questions. I actually think Mr. Horowitz is sort of surprised that no one has contacted him from the, the chairman's offices about his report from three weeks ago on Mr. Comey and the leaks issue. Because I've asked Mr. Nadler in open hearings, and his response to me is, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Because Mr. Nadler is too busy focused on throwing sub- subpoenas on, on Corey Lewandowski and trying to impeach the president of the United States. He can't do the work. At, at what point, Jim Jordan, report. does somebody say that this is nothing but harassment? In other words, Corey's been before the committee twice, before the Senate committee, 15 hours before Mueller. You know, yep. if he gets one yep. little, you know, they're already talking about holding him in contempt. And I'm thinking, why would you even ever say another word to these people? Because it's a perjury trap. And if you if you say one itsy bitsy thing that is not the same as what you said in any of the other 400 hours you testified, they're going to claim perjury, perjury. Why would anyone testify? Shouldn't at this point, I think everybody should plead the fifth. No, you're 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 right. Uh, I will tell you though, I thought I thought uh, Corey did an outstanding job in front of the committee uh, earlier this week. He did. Week. Now, then, because um, they embarrassed them, now they want to hold. Now they want to drag him back and say, "Oh, this was uh, contempt of Congress," or something. They're just dying to nail this guy for showing up and talking to them. No, you're 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 right, and that the contempt uh, idea is just ridiculous. Um, no. and and look, he tested, like you said, hours and hours on on four different occasions. And this is and now he was harassment. Come in voluntarily for this too, and they he was willing to come in voluntarily in front of the committee, and they just said, nope, we're going to hit with the subpoena anyway. So that is unfortunately just how Mr. Nadler is operating this committee. And this yeah, is it's just like if they the would have told Paul Manafort's lawyer or Roger Stone's lawyer. Uh, hey, yeah. can you have your guy surrender at X time at X place? They would have been there. Yeah, of all right. course. Of Jim. course they would have. All right, Jim Jordan, we're hoping to get this information sooner than later. Thank you. So I know a lot of you saying, you know, why do we have to wait? Well, I, I, you know, if it was on my timetable, you know, well, it would be easy. We just go with what Hannity says. But that's not the way it works. The amazing thing is it's taken on any of these stories. It won't be the same with the 2016 vetting. I mean, I've got a dossier on every potential 2020 candidate. We've been building it. Why? Because we know the media won't do their job. So might as well get ahead of the curve. And just like in 2016 and just like in 2012 and just like in 2008 and seven, you know, we had to do the media's job because they won't do it. Their agenda trumps every single other thing. Well, that's a big problem. Anyway, when we come back, um, you're going to meet Andy Pollack. He lost his daughter, Meadow, in the Parkland shooting. He has a lot of thoughts and explains in detail how Nicholas Cruz was screaming he's going to do something like this. Met the, why Meadow died, his daughter, the people, the politics that created the Parkland shooter and endanger American students. Next.
25 now to the top of the hour. Andy Pollack is with us. We're going to introduce him in a second. I don't know how parents, when they go through this, survive what he's gone through. He Literally, his daughter, Meadow, was murdered by Nicholas Cruz. Remember the Parkland school shooting, Broward County, Florida. This is in 2018. And, well, we know that Pollock is now the author of a brand new book, Why Meadow Died. The people, the policies that created the Parkland shooter and endanger America's students, America's students. There's been a lot of debate about this. And, you know, I have now said for a long period of time, I mean, we're in the middle of these shootings sometimes and people are like coming out and politicizing the things. And I actually have had, I think, late night people have made fun of me. I know some people have. It's gotten back to me, but I just don't care. Because if we want to keep every student safe, I think I've come up with some idea. And that is I would like to surround the perimeter of every single solitary school in America. And I'd like to take retired military and retired police. I'd like to also have kids. We have to go through it at the airport. What's the difference? Go through a metal detector to get into school. But if you secured the perimeter and you also had a retired policeman, a retired uh, law enforcement professional, military guy on the hall in the hallway of every school, I think it's possible to make sure that this never happens again. The idea should be to protect our kids. Now, why do I use that as my solution? Well, Hollywood stars, they can afford armed security and they have it. Most of them. The same as it goes for politicians. I had uh, Comrade de Blasio in my TV studio and I said, well, you got I just met five great NYPD, New York's finest. And they're there to guard you as you come into this building and you're protected by people with guns. Does every New Yorker have the right to secure their home with a firearm? His answer, every New Yorker has a right to be safe. I reiterate the question. I'm not asking you if they have a right to be safe. I'm asking, do they have the same rights as you? Anyway, Meadows' father um, has now written a book about all of this. Andy Pollack is his name. Why Meadow Died. The people and policies that created the Parkland shooter and endanger America's students. Andy, thank you for being with us. Uh, I've watched you in other interviews. I've been stunned and amazed at the powerful arguments that you make. Um, I think coming from anybody that has experienced the never ending, I'm sure, pain of losing a child in one of these big events that we cover has got to be the most brutal experience of your life. I doubt it's anything you fully ever overcome. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks. For sh thanks, Sean, for having me. But, and, and I listened to what you were saying. You asked how could I do it? Because it, it's so hard. And I'm going to tell you how I do it every day. I love my daughter more than anything, Sean. And there's nothing that could stop me from holding people accountable and, and, and honoring her. You know what I mean? That's what gives me the strength, the love that I have for her and making sure that everyone that dropped the ball that day, anyone that had a hand in it, any policy that, that led to it, uh, I'm going to hold them accountable and and I had to put it in a book because if we look at, like you said, what happens after a mass shooting, when they politicize it, they politicize the mass shooting. I wasn't even done with the funeral. And they were and they were already on their, the bandwagon of pushing their agenda. And that's what led me to uncover everything. And if it would have been a gun control agenda, Sean, I'd be here talking to you about gun control. I, I'm not into politics 
you know, now I am because it just forced me into it. But I have no agenda except to honor my daughter and tell the truth. And that's what I did. And that's what this book, Why Meadow Died, is. It's the truth for parents to look at and see what happened in Parkland. Because you mentioned securing schools, which is important. That's a part of it. You know, security is done in layers. But the big part of it is these discipline policies, these lax discipline discipline policies that have infiltrated across the country that uh, Democrats don't want to talk about it. You know, uh, look, just for instance, for families to look at California, Gavin Newsom just signed into law that it's illegal to suspend disruptive kids. They don't learn anything. That's the policy that got my daughter murdered, Sean. I want to go through this in in great specificity and de- detail because when we got to the bottom of Nicholas Cruz, who committed this slaughter of 17 people, and including yeah. your daughter, the fact that he was a, a mass murderer didn't surprise people, but rather the fact that he had attended the school. And I'm thinking, all right, so here's a kid that we have identified as being extraordinarily troubled. And here's a kid that shows up and probably if, if I don't know what you think of my idea, but for those law enforcement retired, those military retired, if they would commit themselves to 15 hours a week, I would say all state, local, federal taxes that they live tax free wouldn't even cost us a dime. And I bet you sure, they'd they line up to protect free. our kids at schools. They do it for free. These guys, I guess they would. That they, you know, remember they, the auxiliary police they used to have. I think they probably still have it. Right. Where is that? I got I got veterans that want to go and protect our schools, uh, and, and I hear from them all the time. But these bureaucrats, a bunch of them, aren't aren't for that. So our politicians that, are layer. protected. Hollywood stars are protected. Now all of a sudden you talk about doing the same thing at schools after we've had enough of these shootings now. And I don't believe the answer. Like, for example, if you look at the shooting in Dayton or the shooting in El Paso, we need more gun control. We need more background checks. They passed the background checks. That's not the answer. Now Beto Bozo is now saying, well, we need to take people's guns away. That's not the answer either. No, it's not the answer because uh, if you look into these policies that I talk about, like the Dayton shooter, you brought it up. He threatened people's lives, wasn't arrested when he did that. He had a rape list, wasn't arrested, and they all knew he was going to be the shooter. Never arrested. What good is a background check if they don't arrest criminals when they threaten people's lives? And the same with my daughter's murderer. Background checks don't work if they don't enforce laws when people threaten uh, you know, the community. So that, that, that's what it's about. That's why background checks won't work. Beto O'Rourke spews out that he's going to confiscate uh, AK-47s, uh, uh, semi-automatic rifles. But in his home state, Sean, how, how such a hypocrite he is, after my daughter's murder, there was a shooting in uh, Santa Fe, a school shooting. Ten people lost their lives. He, they used a shotgun and a pistol in his state. And so he doesn't care about those victims because it wasn't an assault rifle that they call it. So they're, they're, very, they're hypocrites. They're not looking to solve anything with these solutions. There's no. If you, if you have evil in their heart, I, I don't know if you know this, but many years ago on, on TV and radio, I've talked about it. Sadly, you can go on the Internet. They actually have for sale something called the Anarchist Cookbook. In the cookbook, they teach you how to make a bomb with, you know, materials you can get at your local hardware store. And yeah. uh, my attitude is if they if they don't have a rifle, they'll get 
you know, 12 pistols they'll carry in that are ready, loaded and, and ready to aim and shoot. And even the best police force, you know, the best response time, by the time they get to the floor where the shooting's going on, at five minutes would be record time. So yeah, it's over by then. Is average. Correct. So that's why also in Florida, what we did uh, after my daughter's murder, we got a bill passed that enables now teachers or anyone that works at the school to voluntarily go through a program uh, to be able to be trained to work at the schools. That's another layer that would be important uh, for parents to look into. Uh, are there teachers allowed to volunteer and go through this program and carry a firearm? I'm all for it. The media, most of the media wants them to make, make it out to be like, they go to training on Friday and Monday they're carrying. But in Florida, it's 150 hours. It's very intense. And, and a lot of districts are, are, are following with it, are going through with it, but not Broward where my daughter uh, was murdered. They're, they still can't figure out that program. And, and I want parents to... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, no, no, no. You want parents to what? I want parents to actually, like, you know, when I first, when this first happened to be Sean, I was like, damn, this is like the... it's. There's not, I can't even tell you how bad it is to lose a child. There, there's nothing on this planet that could explain it in words. And I live with it every day. It's like the, my life will never be like it was. So I wanted to be the last father to experience a, a, a child that got killed in a school. But, and, then, and then Santa Fe happened where 10 kids were killed. And then there was one in Charlotte. And then there was one in Colorado. And I couldn't accomplish that uh, achievement to, to be the last father. And it hurt. You know, it really hurt me. So now my with this book is my message to parents is I want to be the last father that could honestly say I didn't know what was going on in these schools. OK, now, parents, you have no excuse but to read the, my book, Why Metal Died. You could see all the policies and, and now you could and you could look and see at your child's school if these things if it's going on there, because most likely it's going on in thousands of schools. And like I didn't know. Could you believe it, Sean? They had to they frisked my daughter's murderer every day before school he wasn't allowed in with a backpack he used to yell he wants to kill and they allowed this kid in into the school he was infatuated with guns uh he was like when they when they spoke about the civil war he wanted to know about people dying and the blood okay all these things and then the school district they don't want to tell families this but they put him in jrotc in high school and gave him an assault uh an air assault gun and taught him how to shoot. And this is what I had to find out. So parents, I, I, I'm telling you, you got to read this. It's like a manual to be able to compare what's going, what happened in Parkland, because mainstream media, Sean, if people don't only, the only parents that are going to know about this book are, are ones that watch Fox News, because no one else would have me on when I was in New York or D.C. Uh, nobody, no other on, person would put you on. No, Nobody else would put not, you on. I tried, Sean. You know what I mean? I tried. CNN canceled me. ABC, they did a video. I, I, I wasted my time. CBS used me with a hit piece because I mentioned March, March for Our Lives. They tried to throw me under the bus with another father. And I, I just wanted to get the message out. So now it's like, you know, pa the only parents that are going to know the truth are the ones uh, that watch Fox or, or listen to Sean Hannity. You know, I and, watched and it's you. Terrible. I, I'm reading the book and I see you, you lay out chapter and verse. I mean, Nicholas screaming out to everybody that knew that he was going to do something like this. There's no ambiguity. I mean, not one sign, not two. I mean, you chronicle one after another, after another, after another, after another. 
and they it wasn't even allowed on the campus at this point. Checking the backpack is what it devolved into. The incidents of throwing chairs and saying, I'm going to kill people. Here's my question. How have the other parents, I don't know if you're friendly with them. I would assume you might be with some of them. How have they reacted to it? Oh, they, every parent takes a different approach, you know, and the way I look at it is I can't be critic. I can't criticize a parent that. No, I never would either. You know, no circumstances. So I give everyone a pass. I feel for them. Uh, Some put their efforts in different areas. My effort is in school safety and accountability. And, and that's what it's about for me. And, and this book too lays it all out. But, you know, background checks, they talk about it. background checks, parents, they aren't going to work if they don't arrest these kids. Uh, one of the platforms, uh, Beto even mentioned it in his debate the other night, uh, that they're going to stop suspending children. That's, that's a platform that they want. Uh, you know, the president gets no credit, Sean. I met with the president. Uh, he opened up a school, a federal school safety commission where they worked on it for 10 months. Uh, DeVos was on it. Uh, DHS uh, Secretary Kirsten w- uh, was on it. A- and they came up with over 100 recommendations for school safety, which he didn't get any credit for. And the one that made the most uh, sense for me that he did, that he did because they looked into it, was he ended those Obama-era policies, uh, that of mm-hmm. these leniency policies that are in the schools. And w- what does Joe Biden have on his on his website? He wants to, he, our president, Trump rescinded it. Biden wants to bring it back if he becomes yep. president. And this is a platform. It's terrible. They're going to ruin well, the public school systems. I want everybody to read your book. And it's very sad to me because I think every parent can identify, at least on some level. I don't think ever, anybody could ever really know unless you live through it. But I want everybody to, to understand the pain you go through. And you see all the signs were missed. And Um, and that's the case, which is often the case. And uh, I just want you to know, um, I would like to protect every child like you would. And people have laughed at my idea of retired military police surrounding the perimeter and somebody on every hall. In other words, basically give kids what we give every politician and what every Hollywood star can afford. But I think if we don't learn from the death of Meadow, everything that you have laid out here, then we at some point as a society, there's culpability on our part. But I want to wish you the best. The book is called Why Meadow Died, The People, the Politics that Created the the Parkland Shooter and Endangered American Students. Our many prayers, love, support for you and your family. Andy Pollack, I hope you'll come back. And uh, I I wish you the best. I know what you're doing is hard, but I commend you for the courage to tell everybody so you can prevent others from suffering what you've suffered. Thanks so much, Sean. And that's what it's about. Uh, Parents that really... Take a look at this book and don't put your child in an environment that, that I happen to do not knowing. Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. Andy Pollack, thank you. When we come back, News Roundup, Information Overload. Stay right here for our final News Roundup and Information Overload. You know, there is absolutely no evidence to indicate that either uh, Biden did anything improper. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a (laughs) 
got fired. What bothers you most? What are the biggest red flags in this whole Ukrainian affair? Well, one thing I would say, Alex, is that it, it's complex in part because it's a conspiracy theory. I, mean, I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. About, of course, the Biden, you know, fake conspiracy that he's trying to make up. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. And then reframes it as a criminal conspiracy to attack Joe Biden. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. The Biden campaign Saturday issued a statement calling the president's side of the story a conspiracy theory. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. Now, President Trump is again insisting today that reporters should dig into a widely discredited, we need to emphasize that, this is widely discredited, a conspiracy theory involving Joe Biden, Ukraine, and a Ukrainian prosecutor that he helped get fired. I said, you're not getting a billion, I'm going to be leaving here, and I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. The Washington Post and a whole bunch of other outlets have said this is a conspiracy theory. It's bogus. That's I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. President Trump insisting somebody should dig into a conspiracy theory involving Biden, Ukraine, and a Ukrainian prosecutor. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. So here's the conspiracy theory the Trump campaign has been urging Ukraine to investigate. Essentially, they claim Joe Biden used his power as vice president to protect his son, Hunter Biden. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... <laughs> got fired. President Trump in the Oval Office saying somebody should look into a conspiracy theory involving his political rival, Joe Biden. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a. <laughs> got fired. All right, there it is. Oh, I mean, you know, I'm leaving in six hours, and if the prosecutor's not fired, I'm not giving you the billion dollars. That would be our tax dollars, and I'm going to leverage it to to protect my son, who's investigating the very gas company that's paying his son that apparently he didn't have any any background or experience in. And this uh, now unfolds, and it is yet another example. By the way, the same cast of characters. The same liars, the same conspiracy theorists themselves, those that pushed for nearly three years lies, propaganda, misinformation, and got more wrong about Russia, 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 Russia than anybody else. The media, the Democrats. I mean, you know, here's Adam Schiff, the guy we have on tape. 
you know, oh, what is the information on Donald Trump that you have? Uh, the naked picture of Donald Trump, naked picture. Uh, has Vladimir seen the naked pictures? Yes, Vladimir, but of course, Vladimir seen the naked picture. Donald Trump, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, can we get the pictures? I mean, it's a joke. Please tell, please tell Vladimir I'll have more flexibility after the election, but don't tell the American people. I'm hiding it from them. Or we could just say, okay, what about the $150 billion you drop on the tarmac of Iranian mullahs? Oh, or the the billions in in fuel that were given the North Koreans this is a good deal for the American people. That's all I'm going to say. How did a guy with no experience, Hunter Biden, secure at the very time Dada took over the Ukraine aspect and all dealings with Ukraine? Uh, how did is this company start getting all of this money put into the their coffers? And then it goes to the what we talked about in the last hour, you know, the, the Chinese connection and flying on Air Force Two and then the hedge fund money. Anyway, it stinks to high heaven. But what's happening here is exactly what happened. You have a giddy, you know, it was, we've been watching the floundering Democrats. All right, Mo, Mueller failed. What are we going to impeach him? I will impeach him on this. Let's bring Corey Lewandowski and maybe he'll say something. Let's bring Mueller in and embarrass him. Maybe he'll give us something. Okay, you will we'll impeach on Ukraine. We got something. Uh, it's sick. It is a derangement, a psychosis, a rage that is inexplicable. Anyway, Jordan Seculo is with us. He's the executive director of the American Center for Law and Justice, an attorney, and he also co-hosts with his dad, Jay Seculo, uh, their radio program every day, Jay Seculo Live, and he just came out with a brand new book. I read a very early copy of it, and it is really an incredible roadmap. If you care about this country and you want to win the next election, this is a must read. We put it up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Um, and it's just out today. Uh, Jordan Seculo, how are you, sir? I'm great, Sean. Thanks for having me on. And thank you so much for endorsing the book. It was such a great endorsement. We decided to put it right on the front I, cover. I, I did see it, and I was very happy about that. But, you know, you, you, you're talking about the election. Yeah. All right. Everything that happens between now and Election Day is about the election. I don't care what anybody says. Absolutely. I, I agree with your conclusion. Yeah, we could lose. You yep. talk a lot about the deep state in this book and... You know, the swamp is festering as the virus of deception is spreading. We've been lied to, you know, so often. Tie this into the news today about yeah. Ukraine. Well, it's another leak from an official inside uh, the government, uh, a bureaucrat, uh, who ultimately uh, went through the normal process of being a whistleblower. That wasn't good enough, so they decided to go to the Washington Post. So, again, you see... The Trump administration and President Trump specifically attacked by deep state bureaucrats who were willing not to go through the normal course of process if you believe something was done right or wrong, like the whistleblower process, but to go right to the left-wing media, which they did with the Washington Post, to put this information out there, stir up all the controversy. And so I, I, what we kind of make sure that it's right on the cover of the book is that though there have been a lot of, of gains against the deep state. I mean, you know, Jim Comey's gone. Andrew McCabe is gone. You, you see people that have been removed. 
uh, Mueller, the Mueller investigation is over. The deep state has not been defeated. And I think we just all got reminded of that with what just happened with this Ukraine situation. It, regardless of the whistleblower, the IG, the, the going through the normal process, somebody in the U.S. government with access to the information or of the president of the United States conversations with world leaders decided to take that information to journalists at the Washington Post. So that's what we're going to be up against. All right, but here's the, the media. Th- but the thing is, now we learn that now we learn that it didn't even come firsthand. Of course, no. It, it, it's you know, this is probably information that is two steps or three steps removed. And yet still it's reported by the Washington Post as fact. And I think this is just the beginning, Sean, of the new deep state action and moves against the president. I think they have to be cautious on this one because of its potential effects on Joe Biden. But let's say he's not the nominee. This is just, I think it's just something we have to be ready for. It's something the book talks about preparing for is that the deep state's going to re-engage again. They never really stopped. They've wanted to undermine this president since since he got elected. Before he took the oath of office, they were already trying to get him out. And they're going to continue to do to do that again. I think they see that it's likely that he gets re-elected, though you take nothing for granted uh, at all but and so they need to they need to go into action to somehow influence the american vote because the candidates themselves can't do it very well said i agree totally but let's go and analyze and, and maybe apply your legal brain to this yeah what we hear joe biden is telling that story and you know he's kind of bragging about it and i'm leaving in six hours and if uh the prosecutor's not fired i'm not giving you the billion dollars uh yeah. now why would joe biden what other possible reason would Joe Biden want a, a U- Ukraine prosecutor fired except that he's investigating the very company that his son has a lucrative deal with? Now, right. I'm not exactly sure what an American would have to do with Ukraine oil, except we do know that Ukraine, from John Solomon's reporting, we do know that, in fact, they didn't want Donald Trump to win. And we we've right. been reporting this for a while, John Solomon and who we just had on that that they wanted to give us information about they didn't want Trump and they were helping no. actively helping influence our election in 2016. Nobody seems interested in following that bouncing ball. Right. But, but why would Joe Biden want a Ukraine prosecutor fired except that it comes way too close to his son? No other reason. Not with, not at the very end of your term. You're doing something that you wouldn't normally do, right? So he's taking an action he wouldn't normally do because he's about to leave office and he wants to protect his son. So he's using the power of that office and holding out the money of that office the very end. And again, it should that that alone, that action which he's bragging about. You know, he's bragging about publicly. It's not like you had to go digging and find that. He's bragging about it. That's where this investigation should start, is what was Joe Biden doing right before he left office getting a Ukrainian prosecutor fired? Well, I mean, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? But I think we really, any American that has half a brain and doesn't have uh, the psychosis or is not suffering from the anti-Trump, rage-Trump psychosis, I think they're going to ask that question. And yeah. I think I think this is as big a boomerang as the Russia hoax that they've been putting on us. All right, stay right there. Jordan Seculo, the book is called The Next Red Wave. We're going to delve into why he thinks, and I agree with him, that, yeah, don't count. 2020 is not in the bag. 
and people that are overconfident scare me. Uh, we'll get back to that. Anyway, it's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, now in bookstores. The uh, next red wave, how conservatives can beat leftist aggression, rhino betrayal, and deep state subversion. All right, as we continue, Jordan Seculo is with us. He's the executive director of the American Center for Law and Justice, co-host the show with his dad, Jay Seculo Live. His brand new book out today, The Next Red Wave, How Conservatives Can Beat Leftist Aggression, Rhino Betrayal, and Deep State Subversion. One, I, I think the title is perfect because I'm even watching this weekend. And I, I you look, you, you're always going to have this group of Republicans that are weak and pathetic. They were out in force yeah, this weekend. Of course. Um, and you're always going to have this deep state, apparently, because I don't. I don't know if we have the will to really do what's necessary to clean it up. And then you've got the, this radical new left-wing socialist party that has emerged that will bankrupt the country and destroy the America as we, we've known it with their Green New Deal. So how does this end? Because you say in the book, we can lose. Yeah, so I think that we have to go into this with the understanding right away that the Democrats are not going to be caught off guard. The far left, whoever the nominee is, whoever it is, how socialist they are, or if it's Joe Biden who tries to play up some moderate card but has moved so far to the left uh, in this election so far as he's running for the nomination, whoever it is, they're not going to be caught off guard by how well President Trump does in the Midwest, how well he does in the Rust Belt, and among labor union voters and among evangelical Christians uh, and in the port. So in the portions of the country that, that they, they, they took for granted and that Hillary Clinton took for granted, that's not going to happen, which means we've got to increase the turnout. And so what this book does, what the next red wave does is remind people one, how bad it was under the Obama administration. So what you could be going back to or worse, how good it has been under the Trump administration and how much better it can be. If we get another four years for president Trump, we elect some more uh, good Republican senators, uh, take back more seats in the House. I think it'd have to be a huge red wave to take back the House, but at least start making gains there so that by the next midterm, we could take back the House and really get to work. We've got Supreme Court seats we know will likely be on the table. We've got major foreign policy issues. And like you said, Sean, ultimately, the deep state, uh, getting rid of it. President Trump, you saw the consequences of what it of what it meant for a president to take out a top member of the deep state. That was Jim Comey. But I think he gets reelected. He continues the efforts to remove these deep state actors. And there are a lot more of them. The Ukraine story is an example of why we take nothing for granted and that we could lose if we just sit back and think, oh, enough people are going to show up to vote like they did last time. Extremely well written. It's a great great path to victory, but nothing can be taken for granted. Uh, Jordan Seculo, uh, great book, The Next Red Wave, How Conservatives Can Beat Leftist Aggression, Rhino Betrayal, and Deep State Subversion. It's uh, up on our website right now, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Uh, Jordan, thank you. When we come back, wide open telephones, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back, an awesome Hannity tonight. Let's see. Oh, Trey Gowdy, and I think Devin Nunes, and and uh, the great one, Mark Levin, and no, oh, Peter Schweitzer, and it just the list goes on. John Solomon, quick break, we'll continue. For many years, you've seen dire climate predictions come and go, many of which, all of which, have turned out to be untrue. So why is this yeah. one different? Why is this time the time when, it's, when we only have a couple years left? So you're breaking up a little bit, but, <laughs> I mean, the, the science has been the same all along. The actually... You know, climate let me let me just tell you. Can, can, rising temperatures has not changed since going back to the 1950s. Mike, can you hear me? 
Yeah. Okay. I, I actually have a piece in front of me that shows a climate change predictions going back to the 1970s, which, of course, you remember. In, in the 1970s, they said 1971, uh, a new ice age is coming. In 1972, according to the Washington Post, Brown University putting out that we'll have a new ice age uh, on the horizon. Uh, in October uh, of 1974, NOAA, this is from The Guardian, uh, satellites show a new ice age coming fast. Oh, he hung up. <laughs> Come on. Come on. That's he hung good. up? Hung up. Yeah, all the facts that we have laid out numerous times on this program Glad to see it's now gone viral. They've been wrong again and again. Sort of like, you know, Trump has killed millions more than than Mao and Stalin and Hitler combined. Fake news, CNN. Their reaction? Silence. Uh, my IFB broke. I didn't hear a word of that. No, I didn't. I didn't say a thing. Uh, all right, let's get to our busy phones. A lot going on here. All right, let's say hi to John is in Naples, Florida, uh, Fox 92.5, our wonderful affiliate down there in Fort Myers. What's going on in paradise, John? Hey, Sean. Welcome to you from your second home. My second home that I never get to see because I'm working too hard. But uh, go ahead. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, what I want to get to is I've been listening to you forever and uh, others, and I'm just wondering whether we shouldn't kind of tone down the rhetoric on Biden and mourn a little bit. I mean, we know we can beat, beat them easily. And we, we, you know, kind of save, hold your cards a little close to the sh- uh, chest and maybe do a rope-a-dope once they finally decide on who they're going to put forward to go against Trump. The only reason I would disagree with you is this. It takes a long, long time for a narrative to get out. Like, for example, I made a conscious decision. Hannity, you're repeating yourself. Okay, when I would say... Obama's record in the last leading up to the last election. I did it every day on radio. I did it every night on TV. You know, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, uh, the lowest labor participation rate. Uh, we had the, the worst uh, recovery since the 40s, the lowest home ownership rates in, in 50 years, doubles the debt, more debt than 43 presidents combined. Why did I do that? Because if I say it once, okay, maybe it sounds great, but to really let it seep in and for people to understand the magnitude of failure, you know, I, you just have to assume that it takes a while for people to get it. Because, look, I, I love everybody that can pay attention and listen to all three hours of this radio show every single day. But sometimes, okay, maybe they only tune in one day or two days. Maybe the one day that they have, uh, have to take the kids here or there. So it really takes time and it's a narrative and it's the truth. But you say it once and it disappears. You say it 150, 200 times and it begins to work. It's like practicing, I don't know, maybe a golf swing, which I don't have a very good one, apparently. But it's the same thing. So the idea is we've got a lot of work to do. And I want every American to know what they're getting if they vote for Warren, what they're getting if they vote for Biden. And what they get with the Green New Deal. I want every person in this country. Now, if I said it once and then I went on to another topic, I don't think people would understand the magnitude of it. This would fundamentally destroy the greatest wealth producing system ever designed by man. It would result in a depression. It would result in an economic crash. 
it would reverberate worldwide probably within a day if they ever did the, oh, we're getting off oil, gas. It would crash almost spontaneously. And I'll tell you, and if they try to raise the tax rates and come in with their wealth tax and the 90% corporate tax rate, by the way, corporations don't pay taxes. We do. They pass the cost on to us. The 70% top marginal rate. Then if you save any money, then we'll come back and take another bite of the apple. And when you die, we'll take another bite of the apple. I'll tell you what's going to happen. What's been happening in New York and California, New Jersey, and Illinois. People are leaving. They're not putting up with it anymore. And they're looking for better places to do business, raise their families with less burdensome PC bureaucracy and lower taxes, a more business-friendly environment. That's why they're going to states like Texas and they're going to states like Florida and states like Tennessee and the Carolinas and and other low-tax or no-tax states. Um, So it takes a while. There's my answer, John. I mean, it's look, it's going to be one of them. They're all nuts. There's not one moderate. Biden was supposed to be the moderate. Yeah, he's only two trillion into the new Green Deal. Well, it'll be higher by the time he gets there. Uh, Thomas, Wisconsin, next Sean Hannity show. What's up, Thomas? How are you? Hi, Sean. Good to talk to you. Hey, I got a name for this story. I'm thinking I'm going to call it Biden Ukraine gate. The bug, the bug, this story is going to have legs. And I think the big story here is the media's ignoring it of it. It's just like other stories. It's incredible how they just it's ignore worse than that, though. Don't you, think of it. It's worse than ignoring. What they've done is they jumped in headfirst into anything about Trump that they think that they perceive they can bludgeon him with. They jumped in, you know, without even getting to the story. It's like what they did to Nicholas Sandman. He's wearing a Trump hat and he's a racist, racist, racist. Now, guess what? They're going to pay, pay, pay for the libel, the slander against this poor, innocent kid that didn't do a thing wrong. Just the opposite. It's been less than 72 hours, and it's already boomeranging back at them, and they're going to go into panic mode. So be prepared. But Biden Ukraine Gate is the new name of this story. I'm going to tell you what they're going to do. They're going to double down on stupid, and they're going to double down on dumber tomorrow. So we're going to start calling it Bug, B-U-G, Biden Ukraine Gate? I guess we could call it the Bug. The president came up with a name. What did he call it? He said, uh, oh, the witch hunt, the Ukrainian witch hunt. I don't know. I like Bug. You like bug? You like bug? I like bug. I like bug. What kind of bug you like? I think we should. I think we should take a poll. They could take a poll. Uh, where'd you go, bug? Take a poll. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. I'm glad you're cracking yourself up. All right, Rich is in Houston, Texas. KTRH. What's up, Rich? How are you, sir? I'm very well, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. How are you doing today? I'm good. I love all my friends in Houston. Uh, I guess you guys are drying out now at this point. Yeah, we we are drying out, and and uh, everyone is stepped up just as a, as they did two years ago, and things are going very well. Cleanup is underway. As long as they can get I ten fixed, uh, we had a barge hit a bridge, and the bridge is out. So uh, we're hoping to get that fixed and things back to normal. Well, listen, uh, we love our friends in Houston, and uh, by the way, anybody moving to the great city of Houston, my niece lives there. I got to tell you something. Uh, don't bring your liberal policies if you're coming from California. Don't ruin the great state of Texas because you're leaving a state that was destroyed by, you know, liberalism, statism, redistributionism, and, of course, sanctuary cities and states. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
and, and and we all hold hands together in that whole thought because it's a it's become somewhat of a nightmare here. I live in Harris County, which is a the, the true Houston area, and uh, even our county politics. We have three Democrats and two Republicans, and the Dems are going for a tax rate raise, and the Republicans are holding out. So we'll see what happens. All right. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. Uh, let us say hello to Max in Palm Springs, California. What's up, Max? How are you? Hey, great. It's great to talk to you, Sean. Great to hey, talk to you. you. I want to give you a quick analogy on this uh, climate data. There's a reason why they only take the last 150 or 200 years worth of data. If I went into the bank and said, I want to borrow $500,000, and the banker said, let's look at the last seven years of your records. And I said, no, no, no. I only want you to look at the last five minutes of my financial history, because that's the data that I like. The bank would tell you you're crazy. The fossil record is full of information on the climate data, and they just don't like what it says. That's why they're cherry-picking just the last few hundred years. Uh, of course. And this is what Joe Bastardi and, you know, I, look, I make fun of Joe because Joe is a, he's a weather nut. I mean, it's his passion, but I love Joe. And, you know, he's one of these crazy storm chaser guys. If there's a tornado, there's Joe Bastardi racing towards it when all, all common sense would say, get the hell out of the way. But I admire it and I admire his passion and his knowledge about, you know, hurricanes in the 40s and 30s and 50s and the last century, the century before that. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And what you see, what he points out is, yeah, they're using this all for political gain. You know, they're weaponizing heat weather. That's what he says. He's right. It's a great line. Uh, Max, good points, my friend. Thank you. Uh, all right. Let's see. Charles next, North Carolina. Charles, how are you? And we're glad you called, sir. How you doing today, Sean? I'm nice good. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Uh, Sean, I was going back to a conversation you had last week after the Iranian attack on Saudi Arabia. Um, I, and admittedly, I turned, I, I, I was on the way home and I checked in just as the general was finishing his comments that day. And um, it, it occurred to me you know, after hearing his comments that I, I believe he said that uh, uh, the, the act was a direct, uh, d- direct war, uh, a, a direct attack on Saudi Arabia, and, and it was should be constituted as a direct act of war uh, on, on the United States. And I kind of disagreed with that because, um, you know, while we've been Saudi Arabia's ally for many years and, and had various and sundry uh, relationships with them, uh, we, we should we should be interested in their welfare, but I don't see how that constitutes a direct attack on, on the United States. Uh, we're, we're not reliant on, uh, reliant on Saudi oil anymore, thank goodness. Um, and it was not a, an attack on our any of our bases or any of our people, uh, although some we, we may have had some citizenry in Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I just it just seems to me that that line of reasoning has been the thing that has gotten us into many many quagmires in the past and cost a lot of American lives uh, pointlessly. Well, how, how do how well, do you see that? Listen, I I don't want. I, I keep talking about the next generation of weaponry in both offensive and defensive, and I don't want to put boots on the ground ever. And the next thing is, is that, you know, I think the president laid out a template that we ought to consider fighting, you know, any future conflicts or wars. And that is that, hey, we're going to bomb the living daylights out of you. We won't have rules of engagement. We will try to avoid collateral damage and civilian casualties. We can't promise it because you started a war with us. 
And that's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, if it comes down, look, you can go back to the debate. I mean, there are still people that will question whether it was the right decision for Harry Truman to end World War II with Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki. And I got to tell you something, it's not a question for me. You know, we were attacked. It was an unprovoked attack. We were told just the opposite by the Japanese at the time. They hit us at Pearl Harbor. We lost, you know, nearly 3,000 of our greatest then. And if you're going to attack this country and you're going to attack Americans, we're going to hit you back and we're going to hit you back with the full force of our military might. And that's just, sorry, that's the way it's going to be. But do I want boots on the ground? Do I want a long protracted conflict with Iran? No, I do not. Because we don't have the stomach to fight wars and it'll eventually get politicized probably sooner rather than later with Trump. So any military action, we can't let them take drones out of the sky. We can't let the Iranians, you know, lash out against the world community and stop the free flow of oil at market prices because that impacts every country on the face of the earth. And that impacts us, too, because that raises the price that we're going to be paying at the pump. Although, thank God, we're energy independent. And I've been pointing out the Straits of Hormuz are less strategically important to the United States than they, they've ever been. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Now, we've got all the players tonight. John Solomon, Peter Schweitzer will debunk every lie that the mob and the media is pushing regarding this Ukraine story. And the real culprit here and the real investigation now is wide open as it relates to Joe Biden and the financial windfall of his son in Ukraine and in China. Now, we're going to get into that. We'll lay out the timeline. We'll give you all the evidence that you need and you make your own decision. Uh, Also tonight, Judicial Watch, guess what? We have a McCabe memo detailing how Rod Rosenstein proposed wearing a wire. More Freedom of Information Act coming out on that particular case. And Lindsey Graham is now hinting that the IG report on FISA abuse will also expose John Brennan's role for the first time, as we have suspected for a long time. Anyway, as he said, uh, stay tuned. Anyway, that's all coming up tonight, 9 Eastern, set your DVR. Hannity on Fox, as always, thank you for being with us. See you back here tomorrow. See you tonight at 9.